Welcome to the Dad Podcast. I'm Marty. I'm Moby. I'm Leland. So, episode 27. This one is called No Mercy. And it's called No Mercy because we're going to be talking about the 2001 wrestling game called No Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> How we felt about wrestling games in their prime back on the N64. Classic. Classic, yeah. It was a really good button masher. Um, I felt the 10 polygons that made up Hulk Hogan were really well-developed polygons. Actually, Moby Hulk Hogan was not in that game. <laughs> oh, you're telling me you I clearly don't haven't done your research accurately? <laughs> well, okay, honestly, it's not about that. It's going to be about, finally, Cobra Kai. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Kia! Yeah. Yeah, that would, that's like a hundred times lamer than the show, Leland. Kia. Well, Kia. that's how you Kia. Oh, so okay. you kick. You channel, so you you channel your chi. No, I thought that Johnny Lawrence teaches that you just punch through people's heads. You try to punch through their head to punch someone on the other side of their head. That's how I was always taught. That's right. So then your <laughs> fist goes through head. So it's kind of weird today uh, in slightly different fashion. We're not going to have a movie musings. Today's going to be TV musings. Or well, Oh, I came up with the name of it for it. Oh, man, what was it? Um, it was... YouTube Yak? Oh, no, I think it was uh, <laughs> the T-Hud Telecast. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you still, guys, still like popping off with you. I don't hear but. you fuckers coming up with a better show. I, I was just going to lump it into movie musings because I was lazy. No, that's an offshoot, obviously. Yeah. It's not like a new segment. Yeah, so like movie musings and then TV. Teasings. Teasing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Actually, that's, that's, yeah, that's tele- not that te- Television teasings. That's yeah. pretty good. That's okay, good. Okay, we'll Hi, boy. Nice yeah. football. Good. I'm better. I'm very protective of my segment. Yes. Yeah. Well, take and it. I haven't had a segment in like two full episodes now. I don't even know why I'm still here. Are you guys going to vote me out? We. <laughs> well, you notice we're slowly phasing out the segment. Like it is becoming TV teasings. Oh, if, well, when listener <laughs> listened to the God of War segment, he knows I'm on my way out. <laughs> Come on. I barely spoke a word. Yeah, you bounced back pretty good. You weren't actually there. We just edited in your voice. Oh, that's right. You guys keep sound clips of me just saying awkward shit. If I learn to imitate you, we'll be okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny right. recording this, though, that we've done quite a few back-to-back-to-back because the next couple months are super busy for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah, won't this one hit, like, mid-July or something? Yeah, like I think so. I think so. Like, what, episode 24 only just came out at the time of this recording, right? Yeah. Well, what I think is going to be kind of cool is I think we'll all be jacked to record when we record next. Like It's going to be a long It might while. be a little rusty. It's yeah. going to be at least a month and a half, I think. Well, that'll tie in well to our very first episode, but probably sounds similar to that. That's true. <laughs> yeah, That's well, true. the great thing, too, is the next one will be the one-year anniversary. Episode 28? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah pretty close. Yeah, because I think 27 lands like a week before the end of July. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, let's dive into banter. Oh, yeah, banter segment. Maybe okay. start with you, Marty, because you just showed me something cool. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> this would be more relative if it came out soon, <laughs> but uh, E3 just happened two months ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Cyberpunk 2077 looks very, very cool. It's by the developers who made The Witcher, uh, CD Projekt Red. Uh, I just watched a trailer for it. I just showed Moby as well. I've uh, heard some of the discussion about the 45-minute gameplay trailer they showed behind closed doors to some developers and uh, personalities from the internet. And uh, everyone's really 
really excited for this game. It just it sounds very cool. It's first person. It's a big, massive RPG, possibly with multiplayer elements, but it's going to be set in like a sci-fi sort of Blade Runner-esque uh, tone that's based on the cyberpunk uh, tabletop game. You said sci-fi. So I did that, say sci-fi. Is I that like a sci-fi. new genre? Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> is. Uh, well, We're you know, I was, I was thinking science. Marty McFly. No, no, cyberpunk is very 90s. Hello, so, McFly. Yeah, it's, it's Hello. Fly. Yeah. Hello. So that's accurate. Okay. Yes. Busting your chops. Thanks, Moby. We'll edit it out so no one will even know. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, anyways, I'm really excited for it because obviously The Witcher was one of my favorite games and CD Projekt Red is a really awesome developer. They're always quick to uh, be really upfront about the fact that they don't charge for, micro- they don't have microtransactions. You know, if they make DLC, it's substantial, large, long-form single-player yeah, DLC. Yeah, that's bang for your buck. It is, yeah. I mean, I re- they're, um, the DLC for The Witcher, I ended up paying, I think, $15 and it was about 60 hours of content. You know, insane. it is. Yeah. And I, I really like their, um, you know, their kind of uh, feelings about the uh, video game. Uh, Model. Industry. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that over? <laughs> yeah, I really like their feelings about the video game industry. Uh, yeah, I think they're approaching it like a company should. Yeah. Well, I think especially with the amount of like, um, you know, pushback from the fans right now about yeah. these microtransactions, about developers and about, you know, DRM and all these things. Right. Like people have issues with this. Well, and, and, it, and it makes the company have some value. Right? Oh, yeah. Right away. Yeah. Like, right away. That gives you clout. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, like, the hype for this is it doesn't matter how long they, for them to take to put this game out this game didn't come out for another five years it would sell like hotcakes just because of the company yeah and there's a good chance that it won't come out for a long time yeah right <laughs> you know they've they've waited they've been well, working the last, on it for five the years the last time we saw anything i think was like 2012 yeah i think it was right you know it was right around the time they actually when the witcher 3 came out yeah which yeah, was yeah. 2015 i remember, I think. Yeah, I remember so seeing that three years ago we got the teaser because it was that video with the, with the lady in the middle of the street and it was all slow-mo with the bullets and stuff yeah. and she's got like blades coming out of her arms and shit. yeah because yeah. you've got a fully customizable character named v that you play as and uh you know you can play as male or female um they're pushing hard on like the uh relationship sexual interest aspects like everything is just very mature content you know like yeah. take take home somebody for a one night stand doesn't have to be a romantic interest kind of thing right, right, right. which uh, i guess fits. well you know I, I, yeah i think that like cutting you off yeah totally that <laughs> does go with cyberpunk i think yeah and a lot of a lot of the way that cyberpunk is being portrayed now anyways is it's shifting to that if it wasn't before like mm-hmm. it, that's the way it's going it's just like this you know like flesh is inconsequential it's yeah. that's not you know that's not the focus of the world they're really pushing longevity, the, right? Is is the whole thing? They're pushing the cool factor. Yeah, like, cool is a stat in this world, oh. and it actually affects the gameplay. Ah, so like how you're dressed wow. it matters, not just for your statistics of your armor, but like interesting, you have to look the part. So uh, Leland's My Little Pony T-shirt would get negatives in that game. Well, if it, you go to uh, My Brony Alley, you're gonna be. Yeah. Hot damn, you're going to get all the best My Little Pony upgrades. It's a large neighborhood. It's a very stands. large neighborhood <laughs> in the game. Oh. Nay. Find some cloppers. Wow. You're clopping your way through that game. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, I'm just really excited. I thought I'd just uh, chat about that. You know, yeah, week- no, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's great that, uh, you know, coincidentally, that ties in pretty nicely with my banter. 
again, a little outdated. But um, uh, on June 8th, uh, Fantasy Flight Games announced that Android Netrunner is no longer being made. What? Yeah, so uh, October uh, October 2018 will be... As of that date, they will no longer no are no longer able to sell any Android Netrunner products. That's an interesting language you just chose there. Are no longer able because their licensing agreement with Wizards of the Coast for the uh, Android no not for the Netrunner property has expired and was oh, not and they were not able not to, getting renewed not getting renewed. Oh. Um, yeah, there's a lot, you know, quite a bit of speculation as to why exactly. There's, as of recording, there's no official information. Of course, most people saying, you know, it just boils down to money. If uh, Wizards wanted X amount of dollars, but the property is only worth Y, then why would they, you know, or, or, or it's not worth it. Fantasy Flight Games to maybe pay into that license, et cetera, et cetera. Like, lots of different things. Um, but, like, some of the other speculation... Uh, ties in with Cyberpunk 2077, right? 2077. Is yeah, right? 2077. It's, it's the year of the release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But, like, um, people are saying, you know, maybe Wizards wants to do something on their own with on the height of the Cyberpunk IP get maybe growing a little with the release of the video game. Like, yeah. Lots of speculation. Seems like there's a bit of a resurgence. I mean, obviously, Blade Runner didn't do very well. yeah financially but i mean i think people are, people are interested in that kind of world i think so i think too. you need a big cultural impact i think so too yeah it's yeah. ticket sales yeah uh let's see so maybe they're they want to free up the license to farm it out to other different types of projects maybe yeah it um, could be so how the way it works so ffg can continue to make android products this this android universe they have the ip for but the Netrunner part of Android Netrunner belongs to Wizards. So because of the original Netrunner CCG that Wizards put out like a couple decades ago, right? Which was a, a huge part of why I think Android Netrunner itself was garnered success and popularity based because, you know, it's like the predecessor or the successor of Netrunner, right? That makes it a big risk when you take this existing IP and suddenly the Owners of the existing IP go, nah, nah, nah. You know, we want this back now. Well, that and you know, FFG. Uh, that's a good point because that's setting or, or continuing a difficult precedent for FFG because the same thing happened with their um, conquest. I don't know if the conquest was a CCG or an LCG, um, but with Games Workshop, Games Workshop and Fantasy Flight had a business, some type of business relationship. Where FFG was, you know, producing games within the Games Workshop universe and all that stuff. And they since have separated and gone their ways. So they lost their conquest that um, they have like a third party license with their Star Wars stuff. Like FFG does a lot of a lot of this licensing stuff. I think it's uh, I don't know. It's it's it sucks. I mean, I haven't. It's funny going online and looking at all the forums like people are like, man, it's like bummed out. But like a lot of the comments were like. Yeah, this is sad. Like, I haven't played this for a couple years, but I really liked it when I did. So maybe, you know, it's been losing steam. I mean, it's interesting, though. A lot, like, a lot of people are saying from, from the press release that FFG put out on June 8th, um, it didn't sound like they really knew this was coming, right? Like, as if, 
oh, they expected a renewal, but for whatever reason, it just didn't go through. Because, like, they've been putting a lot of work into uh, Android Netrunner recently. Like, they just had a revised course uh, corset. They just brought in a new lead designer to switch hands. They've done a lot of um, – they just had rotation to keep some of the older – the card pool to a, a, you know, manageable size for competitive play. And I don't know. It just sounds like a lot of resources were poured into it for – just for FFG to know this was no longer continuing after a certain date, like that seems hmm. that that doesn't seem likely to me. But. Yeah, it seems like they just expected it. At first, I was thinking maybe they decided it wasn't worth their cost to keep it going, but from yeah. the sounds of it, they just expected it, and now there's no choice at all for them. Yeah, I don't know. It yeah. sucks. It sucks. It is. Yeah. It's a really good game. Um, so it's interesting though. Like FFG, like I said, the the Android and the, the versus the Netrunner IP. FFG has the Android, so they're they're going to continue to make games within the Android setting. So if you're into that setting, which I think is really cool, and again, I don't know what exactly what where the line comes from splitting the you know splitting it between Android and and like the Netrunner. I think the Netrunner comes from the game, um, not the game mechanics, as you can't copyright a game's mechanics, but you can copyright. Like it's vernacular. Um, I wrote it down. Where, where does it fall into? Yeah, it really sounds like splitting hairs on a few few subjects. Right. Okay. So basically, um, like all the descriptors, they fall under uh, trade dress. It's called it. Okay. Like, like just basically names. Like, because okay. So one thing about Android Netrunner that makes it difficult for newer players to get into is there's a lot of game specific vernacular. That you just need to know, like your your main deck is called your. If you're the corp, it's called your research and development, your R and D. But if you're the runner, it's called your stack. Like so, those terms like ICE is what protects your servers mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. All of that, FFG would no longer be able to use if they wanted to make a similar card game in the Android setting. So I don't know. It's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of weird shit, and it's uh, seems a little muddied, but. Bottom line is, Android Netrunner, no longer. It's interesting. I, I bet you this is the kind of card game, because it was pretty cool, and the mechanics were pretty unique that you know, you're taking these runs at this computer server. I bet you this is the kind of thing that in 20 years, assuming it really does die, that it becomes this like sudden collector's fad among the community to get these cards. I don't know. I, I, maybe. Yeah. Well, of course, it's maybe. It's all speculation, but I could see that happening. Because it didn't exist that long. It's not like something like Magic that's existed for 25 years. No, but the... So the difference there is the living card game model versus the collectible card game. A lot of... You know, I've also seen some people saying, well, okay, who cares? You know, it's it's not dead. You guys, your collections still exist. You can still play amongst yourselves. But, you know, the, the living card game model... A lot of the interest in those types of games comes from the game itself feeling like it's alive, like it's ever changing, it's ever growing, and you're ever adapting to different metas within your play groups and et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think it's going it, to, yes, I will always break out a deck and, and play this game because I love it, but it does lose that bit of luster, that little bit of sheen, right? That kind of sets it apart within the card game, you know, genre. Yeah, as well as the dying card game model. Now. Exactly, right? Yeah. Soon to be the dead card game. Model. Yeah. 
Undead. Hmm. It's the undead <laughs> card game. That's there we go. Yeah, that's pretty good. They could maybe yeah. market that way. UCG. <laughs> but I don't know. For all UCG. you A and R runners uh players out there, sad news. Alright. Um my banter is just small, and again it's like you guys, by the time this comes out, it's it's pretty late in the game. But I think that the trailer for the new Bumblebee movie may have slipped under the radar. Uh, I I definitely did. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's really fucking good. It's a really good trailer and it's really promising. So basically, the story is, is that Bumblebee comes to Earth much earlier than the other Transformers. For some reason, like he's in some space battle, it looks like, and he comes to Earth in the 1980s. And... He, the main character in the movie's a woman this Wait time. Wait a second. Sorry to interrupt you. So, 1980s? Yes. In the last Transformers movie, we saw him depicted being operating on Earth in World War II. Uh, maybe he hid there since World War II, but the story takes place in the 80s. And it's like Bumblebee is like this vanguard. Okay. Uh, I didn't see the most recent. They're following movie. the Wonder Woman model. They're just going to fill in times of history with uh, Bumblebee. Yeah, it time. seems hey, like that's that. fine. As long as it's not depicting him landing in Earth in the, in 1980, when we've already seen him active and yes. operating previously. That's I, fine. That's I, I was saying. piecing that together, oh, and okay. it could be that it's actually Decepticons you see in this one shot going to Earth. Oh, okay. uh, it's really cool. Starscream's there. There's a shot of him, but he's in his original colors as an F-15 Eagle, which is awesome. Like I liked him as an F-22 Raptor in the other movie series, but it's just cool to see the original Starscream back. Uh, Bumblebee himself is a a yellow Volkswagen bug, so that's kind of cool. And, like, the trailer's really well done. So it starts actually with this kind of, like, ghosty, wispy, super modified voice of Burning Mac from the first movie. Like, you know, car chooses its driver, not the other way around, or whatever. And you see this girl basically picking up Bumblebee from a junk shop. But then there's no talking. And all there is is this, like, long scene in the trailer where basically she's, like, working on Bumblebee. She's underneath him. And then she sees, like, his face and his eyes open up. And she's like, ah! And then he, like, transforms right over her in slow motion. But then it's like they still don't talk. And she kind of reaches out to him. It's very, very E.T.-like, very Steven Spielberg-like. And it looks like they're, it's not Michael Bay directing it. It's some guy I've never heard of who's like a small screen director, but it looks like it's very character driven, very small scale. And I think that's what Transformers needs. You know, Michael Bay's done his thing over five films, his just giant slow-mo, blow everything up, Michael Bay shit. I haven't liked the Transformers since the first one. Yeah. I mean, I own one, two, three. I really didn't like four. And I don't own it. And I haven't even seen five the last <sighs> night or whatever. They're just not memorable. They're like, not. I couldn't tell you what happened in any one of them, right? I couldn't pick them out. You couldn't, couldn't put them in a lineup, a police lineup, and I couldn't pick one out. Say, oh, okay, you just watched one of these movies. Which one did you just now, watch? Now, do you remember know. the first? Like, because the first yeah. I remember well. I thought, okay. and, and that's commonly considered Michael Bay's best movie ever, as far as, like, movie quality. Hmm. And that one was really good. But the others, yeah, pretty forgettable. I thought the first was a really memorable theater experience. Like, it was, like, for when it came out, it was definitely, like, the pinnacle of that kind of action movie. Oh, totally. It was cutting edge. You know, it was a property that we hadn't seen since the 80s and just as a cartoon. And now you get them as cutting edge CG. And, and I mean, it was really well done, I think, for the most part. Um, So, maybe in the show notes, I'll shoot you a link to the trailer. I think I can manage finding... A link to the trailer. I was just trying to help you out and be nice, but that's okay. 
Uh, but that's all I got for banter. Well, why would, you're going to shoot me a link to the trailer tomorrow when this isn't coming out for a month and a half. <laughs> like, well, no, 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 I have no, no. I've noted here that it will be in the show well, notes. You know how I, I do my art. Like I'm going to do my art five minutes before release. So well, that's fine. <laughs> the link yeah, by, the, by the time this comes out, the second trailer will be dropped. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. it will be dropped. <laughs> Isn't uh, John Cena in this? Uh, I thought he was. I. You know what? It's a safe bet that John Cena is in every movie now. Um. So probably, but. Uh, I for it's it really focuses on Haley Steinfeld is the name of the actress. She was in on um, that one with Jeff Bridges, like uh, oh, I forget the name. True Grit. True Grit. That's it. That oh, was her first okay. Movie. Whoa, pull that one on my butt. That was pretty impressive. That was a good movie. Okay, I got one yes. one last little thing for banter. What, what the fuck? Okay, I no. want I, no. This is how it not, goes. Not, 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 You're breaking that. our precedent. Yeah, well, you're setting a bad future precedent, just like FFG. This is bad. We're gonna lose our licenses. Okay, <laughs> no, I saw Justice League. Oh. Wait, I thought we were going to watch the extended cut together. I know. Well, I'll watch it with you guys. Um, really? Yeah. No, well, yeah, I mean, I will for the podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything because you guys haven't seen it. Uh, I liked it better than Bats vs. Soups. Okay. I That's. I don't know if that's really saying enough, though, because I didn't really like Bats vs. Soups. Mm. Uh, Superman's cool in it. I mean, he's dead, but, you know, obviously... He comes back. He comes back. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I like. I you know. I actually. I'm sold on Henry Cavill. I like Henry yes. Cavill. Okay, but the, I've always liked Henry Cavill. So just, that's vindication for it me. It is that's point, Leland. Yeah. So you should have let me talk. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Ben Affleck. I don't know what it is about Ben Affleck in this movie, but like my wife and I both noticed it. He looks really chubby as Batman in this movie. Oh really? Oh. And there's like just, his suit is like boxy. Yeah. And there's this one scene where someone grabs his face. And and it makes it, it makes him look like he has the fattest cheeks in the Batman cow. No, you Batman. He looks cute, little Batman. He's just really pathetic as Batman in this movie. He's like the worst hero ever. It's so I don't that know sucks. I don't know why. I just felt like he was like the worst like hero in this movie. He's just like huh. old useless Batman. Yeah, you know I mean he is like, severely outclassed, and it's much easier to make him. Especially because he is old, an older man. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, if he was like more youthfully cast and was and was supposed to be a more youthful Batman, they could do a lot more, making him a little more agile. You know, I would, yeah, yeah, he just seemed like old man Batman, like very grumpy, but not in like a good, like entertaining, angry Logan way, but more like a crotchety, like oh, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Like, like, Where's my prune juice? Like everyone's more important than I am, kind of thing. Um. Yeah. It's oh, and the CGI is really bad. Like oh, really awful. Yeah. Like oh, awful Jesus CGI. Christ. Steppenwolf so bad. Oh no! It's like so clearly, obviously, completely CGI. Yikes! And all the fighting is almost all CGI. There's like CGI horses, CGI everything, CGI. Wow. Um. Oh no! <laughs> it really pulls you out of it. Uh. You know, I could talk about it for a while. I think the the Flash is kind of interesting in in the movie, although he's kind of grating too. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Cyborg is okay. He just kind of serves the plot, I guess. He still looks stupid, though. Yeah, although the other CGI was so bad that the the Cyborg CGI was, like, not as... Was good by comparison? Not good, but not as annoying as I thought it'd be. Hmm. Because, like, in some of the trailers... He looks fucking garbage. Yeah. He looks terrible. It's it's weird. I I didn't really like him all that much. Um, I don't like his design all that much. Yeah, no, me neither. neither. Uh, I think Aquaman is probably the coolest, like, design-wise character. Because okay. Jason Momoa 
just kind of looks like a brute. Right. You know, he's just like a total bro. Um, he totally is too. Like, you know, when you watch the trailers and you're yeah. like, you're like, oh man, like there's a lot of those lines. Like I found myself maniacally laughing at a couple scenes Oh fuck! and like I was enjoying it. Okay. But I don't know. But I think my wife summed it up best. She's like that. I don't know if I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll have to watch the um, we'll have to watch the director's cut of it. Yeah, I'm interested. Is that out? I think it is. Um, I may pick it up because we're hanging out next weekend, and (laughs) the danger of buying a movie you may only ever see once. But yeah, because I didn't see a director's cut online when I on the PSN or whatever. But oh yeah, I don't know. I'll try to see if I can hunt it down. That's another thing, too. The, the movie I saw was only two hours, which is kind of like for a like big ensemble film like that. seemed pretty short. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, it didn't it didn't feel like it was. Now, um, was it was there parts of the movie where it was like very disjointed? Like you felt like, oh, this was definitely not what Snyder shot. This was what because they brought yeah, in. Yeah, Jaws, I, I right? tried to think about that and I. I had a hard time discerning. Okay, well then that, that's that's a plus. I think. I think so. Yeah, that's a plus. But I could definitely tell there's some certainly some Snyder esque action scenes. Oh yeah, I'm like oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Snyder's got his fucking paws all over these ones. Sure, they have they have you know every anywhere they fight, it's somewhere yeah. some remote <laughs> nondescript background. Like I don't know, I don't understand. Where it's perpetually okay. afternoon or dawn. Yeah, some of the things in the trailer I noticed they they're in the movie, but they're a little different. And it was Better? like they were hide- they were hiding, I think, some of the effects going on in uh, some of the background. So, like, it does seem a little more discreet. Okay. 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 Yeah. Cool. Uh, it does make a little more sense. Okay. What's going on. But it's still kind of stupid. That's good. Yeah. All right. Less stupid. Yeah. But it's worth- well, you guys should watch it because I'm curious to see if you laugh as much as I did. As I did. All right. So, Sounds yeah. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for TV teasings. The s- offshoot of movie musings. Uh, and Cobra Kai, flip the script, which is a big line in Cobra Kai. That's what this segment's called. Uh, guys, we just love Cobra Kai, and I just really wanted to talk about it. I wanted to get in-depth about it. Um, I did rewatch half the season again. I found some negatives I'd like to bring up, too. Before we... Are we going full spoilers right away, or are we... I, I think we, we got it. The show's been out since, like, May 2nd, and by the time this drops, it'll be mid-July, so I think we're, we're at spoilers. Yeah, territory. but you do have to pay for it in Canada, right? You gotta, That's correct. You gotta pay it, for it. it except if for the possible, first two episodes. We should... Can we do a split? Can we do the half yeah, and half thing? let's like do it. Yeah, just hold back on the spoilers for okay. 10 minutes. Well, I'm thinking the spoilers only really have to do with the last episode or two there so then why can't we keep that to the end of the segment okay i I wasn't even really going to go into how everything kind of flips out but i'll make sure no no real spoilers until then um yeah okay we'll do that and we'll we'll put a spoiler alert uh i personally think this is my favorite and the best single season of tv shot period which is super high praise for me so you asked me to rate it you already know what it's gonna get uh, but I'm interested in how much you guys liked it. Hmm. Well, I certainly didn't feel like it was the best season of television ever created, but it's certainly up there with some of my favorites and 
considering my expectations were tentative but high, it blew me away because I didn't think it would actually be as good as it was. So, yeah, it, I'd certainly have high praise for it. Lilan? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I loved it. Uh, a big fan of original Karate Kid. Um, I don't know how many times I've watched that movie. We've been, just... we've been waxing off since 1985. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, I mean, that those first, uh, what, it was the first two episodes? Yeah, the first two episodes just hooked hook you. Oh, they like, sell it. They, they sell it right you. away. They get yeah. you. If you if you don't if you watch those first two and don't enjoy it, then it's not for you. Yeah, and they're yeah. free, so do it. Exactly. But man, they they got into me and they pulled me in and they kept me in and I don't ever want to leave now. No. <laughs> no. It it did so much right. And it's it's really almost like how did this succeed? That's what I was thinking as I was rewatching it. You've got these two guys that were famous for being teenagers that fought. And somehow 35 years later, you make them still relevant when they're guys in their kind of mid-50s. And they're still somehow really pop culturally relevant now again. Um, and it doesn't seem awkward at all. Like it doesn't. It doesn't seem awkward to me that these guys are still involved in karate and one is rebuilding a dojo and one, you know, starts to train another kid. And it's like, um, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool because, you know, you've got all these fans who are pretty much hibernating for 25 years. And now, unless they really like the Jaden Smith karate kid. See, I feel like we're the last generation that's going to truly appreciate this, though. I think anyone younger than us probably didn't grow up and wasn't exposed to it in the same way. I think that's possibly going to be an issue. You're right. But judging off the comment sections that I've watched on YouTube or looked up on YouTube, um, there are a lot of kids, like people in their early 20s that are self-identifying at that age group and saying, I'm loving this. And I think that's the genius of bringing in younger characters that we actually care about, which we can dive into too. Yeah. Uh, which is part of the genius. But I guess the first thing I want to step into what I think is the genius is the narrative here in that there really is no defined good guy in bad guy. It, Johnny and Lawrence can be taken, uh, Johnny or Daniel can be taken as the hero or the villain. And it's almost your choice as you watch this season because they have different flaws, but they also have different virtues, each of them. You know, Daniel still kind of tries to be the good guy and the family guy and and have his, you know, business. And Johnny's this like wasteoid alcoholic, yes, but he's trying to give self-confidence to kids that are nerds and outcasts and have nowhere else to turn to get self-confidence and, and, you know, a measure of strength and respect. And I think that's virtuous, even though it's done through Cobra Kai. I'm just wondering what you guys think about the narrative. In general i completely agree with you it's and it's funny and and i love how literally episode to episode your opinion on the hero versus villain changes even just jumping from johnny's perspective next episode okay now we see it from daniel's perspective you're like man i get where daniel's coming from i'm i'm team daniel and then wait a second last episode i was just team johnny what's happening what's yeah. going on and then, and then eventually, it, and you get to a point where, like, man, these two guys could be best fucking friends. 
if they could just work past these a few little fucking shit, right? Just these stupid his, history that they have, right? If they could just get over it. Yeah, and they almost do in episode. They almost do. That was your favorite oh, yeah. episode. That was my favorite episode. Yeah. yeah. They kind of sit down yeah. and have the most awkward breakfast ever. Yeah. Which we, we could get into more later in the spoilery section. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt that way about all the characters, too. Like, it's not just them that are that are morally gray characters. Even all the kids have, like, this sort of dark side and light side to them that makes them very interesting. The only one I thought that didn't really... I, that was probably my least interesting character was uh, actually um, Johnny's son. Because yeah. I felt like his transformation kind of got sort of obvious, you know? Whereas the other right. characters were a little more like, okay, they're ambiguous, right? Okay. Not only is it obvious, but having rewatched the season, um, you know, Robbie at first is in trouble at school. He's apparently taking drugs or something like that. And he basically, I'm going to snap my fingers here, bam, becomes like this good kid. And I I think you're alluding to that. It's like, how, how does that just happen? Like where he suddenly... Well, see, I think because, you know, you hit mid-season and then there's a bit of there's a bit of a uh, bit of a time gap, right? Okay. That isn't I don't think is entirely clear when you're watching no. it, but I feel like the point you're supposed to get is with the guidance of Daniel, Robbie finally has this, you know, father figure to look up to and to admire and respect and to take tutelage from, and I think that is is what the kid was, you know, you're supposed to feel like that's what this kid was missing. And you're like, okay, you know, Johnny wasn't there. He's not, he's an absentee father and blah, blah, blah. Well, now finally this kid is getting a chance because he's being treated the way he should have been treated for, you know, the first 15 years of his life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, and I think that's a, it becomes a little disjointed, I think, in the narrative. Um, because mm-hmm. around that time, a lot, some other things, a lot of things, other things are happening too, right? And I think there is a passage of time. That that um, makes sense because yeah. very early on there's like the Halloween episode, and I felt like this was more like late spring when they end up having like the right. uh, tournaments. Right. Yeah, I think so. Actually, that's a good point. You're right. And and as Leland said, it's not obvious that this passage of time has taken no, place. No, it's not. It's but not. but it has to because I hope this isn't a spoiler here. But Miguel, one of the main characters, and he's Johnny's primary student. He becomes like an ultimate super skilled badass. And that can't take place over two weeks. Right. Right. Exactly. So that has to be partially due to the passage of time. Yeah. And I think it's a little, I think that if I remember correctly, like, you know, for lack of a better term, the training montage for Miguel and then for Robbie are, it doesn't seem like they're coinciding. Right. Right. So you get the passage of time with Miguel a little better. But then, uh, you know, a few episodes later, you see the sa- a similar process that Robbie is going through. And you're like, okay. Um, it w- and, and again, it, it doesn't – it's not as clearly depicted, I don't think, with Miguel. So, I think, yeah, you get a little like, okay, what's what's going on? Now, all of a sudden, everybody has all these, these capabilities and are like tournament ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And even the minor characters um, are tournament ready by the end. Like yeah. the, the kids you don't see that much. Um Hawk, we can get into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, what we're touching around here is that I think one of the best parts of the series is it introduces, for the most part, new engaging characters. Like, I really like Miguel. I really like Hawk. I really like Sam, who is um, the uh, daughter 
Of Daniel. Of Daniel. Robbie, I'm on the fence on whether or not I like him. Yeah, you know, I like how they introduce a lot of characters early, like the bully characters. And right. then you realize that they're not really an important focal part of the series. Like, they've just kind of, like, they're the catalyst for the series, but they're not actually, like, you know, antagonists to Miguel later on, right? Right. right. They quickly get burned up. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene when they do get burned up is wicked, too. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. The cool fight scene. in the food court. Cafeteria battle. <laughs> um... I speaking of the bullies, actually one of the biggest negatives I have is I don't at all like Kyler, the bully at the beginning. Um, for a number of reasons. I think he's one of the worst actors, if not the worst actor in the series, the kid that plays him. I just his dialogue was really grating in his delivery the second time I was looking through it or, or watching it. And you know, the kid he looks really old for a teenager, actually. And I looked him up on IMDb, and he was playing a teenager in movies in the mid-2000s, like 2005, 2006. So that actor's got to be, like, late 20s at minimum. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I just looked at his IMDb. And it's just, you know what? I think a lot of the actors are good for the most part, but um, he didn't do it for me at all. And also Daniel's younger son, the pudgy kid that's always <laughs> playing video games. He's like a useless character that has no development or really purpose. Yeah, it's almost like they just they just failed and accepted that they failed. Exactly. They're like, yeah, we like Sam's a good one. Sam's well, I think he was there to to show that to show the difference between Daniel's relationship with his his daughter and his relationship with the son, obviously, right? And maybe how Daniel's changed too. Sure, and then and also how Daniel and Sam have have drifted apart and Daniel himself has like drifted away from his uh his Miyagi roots right like uh, you know how, how in just how in touch and how he trained with Miyagi mm-hmm. um originally and how it brought you know centered him in his life right and you see that he realizes that and tries to regain it yeah. about midway through the series because right? you see that like, even just how he's living his life with the car dealership like oh a bonsai tree with every car right. it's like exactly it's so far from what yeah. it should be right? exactly exactly so and and it's i like how you how you see like he clearly daniel has true intentions of trying to pass on these teachings that he you know values so much to himself but has lost sight of it and it's it's turned into this bit of a caricature of what he believes and has drifted away from. I, you know what, you're you're actually rocking my world with your point about that kid because the younger kid, because there are some scenes early on that are in the show where that kid just walks over Daniel. He's like, like there's a scene where they're at this golf or country club and the kid's playing his video game. Right. Daniel's like, hey, you want to hang out? And the kid's like, no, screw you, Dad. I'm thirsty. Go get me a drink. Pretty much. Daniel's yeah, like, exactly. oh, okay. And you just see, like. Yeah, how far he's drifted from what he originally was. And I think what you're saying about a caricature, like in his commercials for his cars, how he's like karate kicking, like the sale, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Mr. Miyagi would take his chopsticks and fucking, you know, pluck his eye out over that. Yeah. <laughs> Fatality. Fatality is right. Um, it, it's interesting because there's one point I wanted to bring up. Uh, the writers of the show say that, you know, Johnny's a character. He's interesting because he's one of those guys that peaks, you know, at high school. And then you see how he just couldn't survive after that. But looking at the show again, I almost think that Daniel peaked at high school as well. It's almost like they both did. They both did. 
and then just they carried on that peak like trajectory with absolutely no discrepancy whatsoever. Totally. And 35 years later, there's still and there's, flawed individuals where this one high school event has defined their whole life. Yeah. And there's like smoking embers waiting to burst into flame. Oh, totally. yeah. Like Johnny's been like the perpetual victim for 20, for 30 years and he can't get over it. And, you know, Daniel just can't get over himself to some extent. Yeah. You know, he's got the trophy <laughs> wife, the trophy house, the, the cush, you know, boss job. But I mean, he, he's got this ideal. But he certainly he doesn't know how to put it all together no. with, with what gave him the ideal in the first place. Exactly. And in that sense, he's stuck in the past. And Johnny's literally stuck in the past, which they play to great comedic effect with the fact that this guy like drives an 80s car, listens to 80s music, has no clue about the internet, yeah. <laughs> has no clue about like anything on about current culture, really. And... Everything, like even down to his sunglasses are like 80s sunglasses and his old tape deck in his car. And www.periodcobra.com. He doesn't know how to give somebody a web address. Now, before we we move on a little bit, just back to Marty's point about Daniel's wife. um, I think she's like one of my favorite characters in this show. Yeah. She's such a great character. She She is Daniel's Miyagi, right? Like she's... She's the one that was like, give your fucking head a shake, yeah. Daniel, oh. and start acting like a fucking adult. Yeah, I didn't even look think of her that way, but like that's such an obvious like you know um, comparison. She really is. She's yeah. the anchor to reality yeah. for oh, yeah. Daniel and for pretty much the show because she will remind you of how petty and ridiculous the feud is right. between those two men, and that's her shining moment is in Leland's favorite episode you know, where these two guys almost have a confrontation. She's like, boys, boys, this isn't high school anymore. Like, you guys are in your mid-50s. Right, exactly, yeah, totally. Even in the episode where she has that little, like, kind of subplot with uh, with Daniel's mom, right, where they're having, like, that argument, and then, like, they they reconcile it in, like, a good, healthy way. Yeah. But, like, Daniel and Johnny are not able to reconcile it in a good and healthy way. Exactly. (laughs) And... I think it's awesome that they still have this like perfect chemistry. When I see those scenes where Daniel faces down Johnny, like it, it seems tense and awkward and that, you know, these guys really don't like each other. It feels like these actors have just been waiting to do this, you know, like just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I, especially like, uh, Johnny, you know, William Zabka, like it's obvious that like, he's just relishing coming back to this role. And I'm pretty, I feel the same way about, uh, Ralph Macchio as well. Like he's stepped step back into it flawlessly. Yeah, they both have. Um, and historically, like in real life, you're right. William Zabka always wanted an opportunity like this to revisit Johnny and to basically show, as per the viral YouTube video and the How I Met Your Mother subplot, that Johnny wasn't just this one-dimensional bad kid. And I think that that's genius that the writers of the show – point out that Johnny is actually a multi-dimensional character who had some, you know, virtues to him as well. Yeah, and 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 they really show you how Johnny got to where he is and, and like the path yeah. he was set on. Now and and also how he was unable to write his own path. So, yeah, I mean, you see you see a lot of the mistakes that Johnny has made and continues to make, but you also see you know, 
a, a large basis of, of his thought process of why and how he is making those mistakes, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, they really didn't. <laughs> they really didn't do much wrong. I mean, there's. It doesn't feel like there's going to be a, a natural place for me to throw this in. And Leland, you're probably going to say that I've told you this before. In fact, I'm almost sure I've told you this before. But Hawk, who, listener, I, I guess it would be a spoiler if I said who Hawk is, but he's one of the students of Johnny. Yeah. And he has a lip issue, a lip scar. And did I tell you that they purposefully reduce the makeup of the lip as the show goes on? You didn't tell me that, but I noticed that. I pointed that out you and did. was like, man, once he changes like he it's noticeably like it that is reduced. official so i they watched an interview yesterday and they actually oh, reduced man. the then makeup they, of then his they did a good job show. that's cool because like it's to show that you stop thinking of him as a, the kid with the lip exactly right. exactly Which, i mean if you haven't put two and two together yet spoiler <laughs> <laughs> yeah i that's that's such a minor spoiler i think but ah, i don't um, know that was a really awesome part yeah, that's, awesome oh, that's such a sick part. Like when he first gives him that nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck, that was funny. It was yeah, awesome. and you well, don't you don't expect it. No, you don't. Um, do we want to transition into spoiler territory? Transition. Because we we're kind of getting to the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's... I I mean, does anyone have any further thoughts about the character development about um, Hawk? I will say I love how Miguel basically is like, Anakin Skywalker at the end of episode three, like he is completely fallen into evil at the end of this movie. Do you think completely? Because I think Hawk is going to be the completely evil guy going forward. I think Miguel has a redemption that quote possibility. I would agree with that, but I'm only commenting about what we see in the final episode, which is basically Johnny telling um, Miguel to take it easy, and yeah. Miguel's like, "No, Sensei, that's not Cobra Kai." Right, and goes and just like, blows Johnny Robbie out of the wall. Johnny can't even pull him back. Johnny He's can't so pull gone. him back, and it's and it's it's flipping the script yeah. on Karate Kid. And there's a whereas Johnny yes. in the movie, Johnny wants to pull back, but his coach is Cur- yes, no, crazy. he will not. That is not the Cobra. Oh right. yeah, yeah, I forgot about it, that. It, I did notice that, and I thought that was awesome. And there's also some non-verbal acting. In that exact scene where Miguel's like, no, Sensei, you know, this is not Cobra Kai. He goes away and there's a look of horror in William Zabka's eyes where he's like, I've lost control and I become Kreese. Yes, I've indoctrinated. My indoctrination has been successful. successful. And you see that because what, what does Johnny want? He wished he won that tournament in 1984. Well, now vicariously through Miguel, Miguel beats Robbie, wins the tournament. And what does Johnny do? He goes to his son. He doesn't look happy that Cobra Kai's won this thing. He looks deflated and he like basically goes to Robbie and Robbie doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And like there's, I guess the term would be piratic victory. Like there's really no glory in this victory for Johnny like he thought they would because it, it just feels tainted by by how far Miguel's fallen. Yeah, such a perfect way to end that tournament. Totally. You know, you could not have it, I don't think, any other way if you want that series to move forward. So good. Well, um, what, what does Miguel do as soon as he wins? He goes to the audience and he tries to find Sam because her and yeah. Sam dated. And by the way, I felt that uh, Miguel and Sam had really good chemistry. Like, they seem like teens that actually would like each other. 
and but it's a brief romance. But Miguel still likes her. But she she leaves the the tournament, and he's basically searching the stands. And it shows this emptiness. Like, yeah, he won the tournament as well, but he doesn't have what he really cares about. But at what cost? <laughs> right, and, and I think it and it plays into into the theme that that past tournament doesn't really mean shit. Neither does this one. Yeah, the tournament's not life. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you're not. You don't win the tournament, and then you win life. No, clearly. Like, look at how flawed Daniel still is, despite yes. having being victorious. What you guys are saying is so awesome because I think that may be exactly what the writers are going for. Like, like, look, we have this tournament again, and both Daniel and Johnny throw everything into their students. This tournament, and win or lose, they're both still not happy, and right. they're both still not complete. Right. Yeah, I guess it does really come down to how you play the game. If life is a series of games and you just because you win one, but if you win it poorly, it's not going to win you life. Yeah. It's like and it's, it's meaningless. It re- it resolves nothing. The winning Miguel winning that tournament resolved nothing for nobody. Win or lose on either side. And they're still just as broken people as right. they were before. Really, it was best for What's what's Crease? Like like best for Crease himself? Yeah. Yeah. Like really. We and we gotta open that Pandora's box here Let's because that's how the series open. ends. Leland was basically like the told best me last twenty seconds oh, yeah. of the series. Leland ever, like. finished the series before me. He, and he's basically like Moby, Moby, the end of this, the end of this. Oh my god. Moby. <laughs> and then Moby's doing the same and thing then to me. The same thing to Marty. <laughs> and I knew I like, was blown away. I knew even building it up making you expect something, it still wouldn't disappoint. Because we're just too Yeah, awesome. well, I didn't even know, because, like... I, I had no idea. I didn't know what you guys were talking about, because I watched, the, like, the last fight, and I'm like, are they talking about the last fight? Like, like, what's going like, on? Hey, it, was, it was great, but, like, what what is this? And then all of a sudden, oh, my God. <laughs> That's the exact reaction. Yeah, so, listener, basically, Sensei Kreese, who was, if Johnny was Darth Vader in the first Karate Kid movie, Kreese <laughs> is the Kreese emperor. Is emperor, like, yeah. he's the big... Totally evil. I think we can ad- admit that. Like in all the iterations oh, yeah, of Karate full, Kids, Kreese full is evil. full evil. Full evil. And he just walks in smoking a cigar and says the real story's just begun. Yeah. Oh, man. It was so good. Like, I'm not expecting it. And I love like, the whole series built up to it. It did, like, yeah. Subliminally, subliminally. Like almost. they mention his name a lot. Yes, they they, they, they mention the plot, I think, of Karate Kid 3 where they get him like, kicked out of the tournament finally. They show... Um, a, lot, a few flashbacks of Kreese like abusing Johnny. Yeah, and and they also they basically explore how Kreese was was Johnny's father figure, the only one he had, but still really fucked up. Oh, totally, totally fucked up. And the thing is, there's no way like Kreese comes into this situation just doesn't fuck things up more. And I have an idea of how this is going to get fucked up. So here's my guess is that Johnny has lost control of Miguel, but Miguel also does not respect John Johnny anymore. Like, he's like, you know, you're being a wuss. You, even though you're my sensei, you're going against Cobra Kai because you're deciding to be a pussy all of a sudden. My guess for season two is that Kreese will manipulate and take Miguel and Hawk under his wing. And I don't know if he's going to create a new dojo or train him in his basement or something, but basically, you know, I think... 
that we're going to get more than just season two of the show. And I think season two, though, is going to bring Miguel to this, like, really fucking low point. I think he's going to get worse before he gets better. And I think eventually, maybe in, you know, season three or four, way down the line, Miguel realizes how evil he's become and how bad Crease is. But I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And I definitely think you're going to have a butting of heads between Johnny and Crease. I don't think Johnny's just going to go, oh, hey, Sensei, welcome back. No. I mean, no, no. What I would love to see is uh, Johnny Daniel team up versus Crease. Oh, you could be honest. Oh, I love that. I, I so think that's cool. a possibility in the long so term. Because cool. I think Hawk is going to be full evil at some point. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, 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 he's pulling the babes. He's winning yeah. fights. He's, and, and he's also still a wimp, like deep down. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, he's, he's, in that, he's in that theater. He's showing, he's you know, being a bully, throwing popcorn, trying to, you know, pick up girls. But as soon as uh, someone turns on him that he knows he can't win the fight, he, he, yeah, he turns know, sinks, sinks down in the yeah. sea, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Hawk. And his actor does a really good job of that. He's portraying this image, but it's like a shell, and oh, it can be totally crap. It's a complete cracked. persona he puts on. It's it's a hologram. It's not real. No, oh, it's just pictures and bullshit, like the tattoo on his back where he yeah. can flap the wings <laughs> the shoulder blade. Right, and it's it just again mirrors the original movie. How a lot of what we saw Johnny act and do was not really Johnny. Mm. And not, I don't think, it doesn't port- properly portray who he actually is. We see gleams of who he wants to be in this season. But then s- somewhere along the line, something happens that just triggers him or derails him just a little bit. And he's not strong enough to put himself back onto the path he wants to walk. Do you guys see Daniel becoming basically Mr. Miyagi at some point in later seasons where he's like this philosophical kind of mentor more so for life than karate because i wonder like if he's if that's how he's going to reconnect with sam and you know he's going to become exactly that to robbie it's a bit weird to say because yagi and daniel are so different i think he needs to find himself long before he gets there he's not there yet I mean, he. I, they even kind of allude that he's not like a Miyagi-esque character in that one scene when he goes to help uh, uh, Robbie after he hurts himself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Medic! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He claps his hand together and yeah. rubs and then just calls her a medic yeah. instead of doing the magic. <laughs> but you're totally <laughs> the right. The plot device. <laughs> <laughs> but you're totally right, Marty, that Daniel doesn't know who he is or has lost track of himself because he basically goes to Miyagi's grave in that one scene is like... What do I do? Yeah, and, like, and says as well, right? Yeah. So. And, you know, I think Daniel's problem is he goes too far in trying to emulate Miyagi's ways and then does lose himself because he can't just copy what Miyagi used to do. He's got to be his own person and do his own thing and, and you know, and teach in his own way. Yeah. Which I, I don't know, it's just cool that he's opening up his own dojo too, you know, and all, all this stuff. Like, Oh, you know who else is a dirty character in that show is uh, Johnny's ex-wife. Oh, yeah. She's such a terrible mother. Yeah. <laughs> that one scene where she brings a guy home and like the kid, John, oh, yeah. Robbie's just sitting on the couch. Pretending he's asleep. Yeah. Ugh, like, oh. Poor yeah. kid. Poor kid. Ugh. It's funny that, uh, it's funny how Robbie is turning out. You know, with with his added influences, and then again the inverse of what's happening to Miguel with his later influences. Mm-hmm. That influence being Cobra Kai, and Robbie's influence being basically Miyagi. And again, it's 
it's just, you know, of course, they're paralleling the original movie and those these two characters are, are playing, you know, they're playing the part of Yanni and Daniel 35 years ago, blah, blah, blah. Well, how about, though, that, like, Robbie's character, when he does get, have to break away from Daniel at one point because Daniel doesn't trust him anymore, he just further pushes his own, the, the beliefs that have been instilled in him. He right. gets better. He does. He does. Whereas Miguel, I think, as he gets pushed away from Johnny, is just going to get worse. Yeah. Totally. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I think that point about Robbie is, is kind of glossed over a little bit in the rush to, to get to the end. Yeah. Get, to get to it's the really an unseen part. It yeah. is. Yes, it is. Totally. But it is important. And I think that would have added to his character. Yeah. Somehow I like feel like, as great as this season is, and it was awesome that if it was like 12 episodes instead of 10, we'd resolve all these like character plot holes. Like if we just had another 40 minutes of screen time to show some more character development with yeah. Robbie, you know, with Sam. I don't know if I, I agree because I think the 10 episodes made it so tight. Yeah, right. And, that, that, and that helps. There's so many TV shows where you go, man, I like I, I guess they needed this episode, but did they? You are bringing it's up like an excellent point. They needed 10 minutes of that episode. Yeah. With this, an additional 30 filler. This is a lean show. This show does not have fat that you're like, they need to trim this. Pretty much every scene is necessary um, for either character development or to further the story. And yeah, there's very little filler at all. Yeah, I mean, leaving the audience wanting more is always a good thing, and they do. Because I'm stoked for season two. Yeah, Me too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Really absolutely. pumped. Absolutely. I mean, we can get, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Like you, basically one show has brought YouTube premium because they've renamed it now from YouTube Red. It's now YouTube premium. I actually thought YouTube Red is a way better brand, but whatever. It's basically punched a hole, a new niche into the streaming wars. And it's, it's pretty cool. Like that one show is such a tentpole. Yeah. So. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have bought anything else on YouTube Red that I know of. I didn't even know of its existence before the trailer of Cobra Kai. Right. I'm like, how do I get this? You know what? I honestly don't know what else is on there. Maybe there is some cool stuff. I have no idea. I've never looked at yeah, anything. Right. You, you watched catalog. every episode of This Is Poppy. <laughs> this is Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, actually. I would not pay for that. <laughs> no, you would, would, you would have paid for, for This Is Mars Argo. Yeah, I would have paid for Mars Argo. Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah, okay, well, you want to jump into it again? No. It's been four episodes since I talked about it. <laughs> um, well, really, guys, I mean, that's that's all I've got. So I'll open the floor if you have more discussion points on this or if you want to move on. Oh, no, I want to give it a rating. Uh, I just have one last thing okay. that I think um, their little memorial to Miyagi was excellently portrayed into the narrative of the series as well and a nice nod to, yes. to Miyagi and, uh, and the actor's passing. I mm-hmm. thought that was that was a, it was a good scene and it, and it, like you said, Moby, it was is a necessary scene like that that really added a lot to context of Daniel's character and his inner monologue, basically, right? Yeah, well, he's like the Yoda of this series. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see Miyagi. Are we gonna ghost? see yeah, Forest Ghost Miyagi? <laughs> uh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> yeah, I, that's right. All right, well, I'll get mine done with. Ten karate chops out of ten. I mean, come on. Uh, nine and a half judo throws out of a possible ten. Yeah, I'll, uh, I think it's a nine. It's a good nine. High praise, listener. 
high praise when we're all praising something like this. Especially a TV series. You know, like, I think there's a lot of risk with a TV series. Like, 10 episodes can drag out for some people. You know, people can burn out. Like, the interest is hard to keep. Yeah. And they yeah. do a great job. The genius of the marketing listeners, you can watch 20% of the show for free. Just go to YouTube. Right. Go Cobra yeah. Kai. Watch episode one and two. It um, just occurred to me that we did put our rating at the end of the spoiler part, where if anyone's gifted, they don't <laughs> hear our rating. No. Okay. Well, that's, put that's it, put, it, put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. I can put it in the show I guess. Notes. I don't know. Whatever. We liked it. Yeah. Spoilers over. Just edit that part into the beginning. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to have this splice. Yeah. You know what you're doing. All right. Cool. Well, who the fuck opens this segment? I don't even know where this next segment is. It's a hybrid is. segment. Well, it ain't no. going to be me. You two decide. All right. Nobody suspects the T-Hut Inquisition. <laughs> yes. Listener, this this is just a, a segment that <laughs> I... love I, you say it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. No, no, no. It. I mean... <laughs> Someone wanted. I was more meaning like the creative introduction. Oh, I see. That's what I was meaning. Well, you wrote the whole thing, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's this is the explanation. So basically, listener, I thought it would be cool if just for one segment, um, we just kind of shot the shit as far as questions, questioning each other on basically anything podcast related. We are coming up on our one year. We've covered a lot of different topics and content. Um. A lot of this is going to be kind of improvised, but I know we have a, a few questions. Yeah, we fielded some Twitter questions as well. You know, we had to narrow it down to a few because we had so many. Oh, there's so many. So many. <laughs> oh, yeah, and on Facebook too. Tons. Tons. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Maybe before we get into the personal questions, um, I felt that a couple of the Twitter questions were kind of good, Leland. So I know you've got those written down. Why don't you ask, pick one or two to ask and... Well, might as well just answer them all. It's just fucking bang. Okay, out. that's flurry. Sorry, right. pull them up. I'm gonna pull them up here. Do 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 do. Time for rapid fire answer segment. Okay, yes. Well, we did get some rapid fires from uh, the OG Patrick Hillier. Thank you very much for your input. Okay, boom, rapid fire. Which one of you is the prettiest? Me, Marty. Uh, probably Marty. That's well, honestly, it's Marty. okay. Well, pretty- you're sh- you're so short. I'm I'm tall. Okay, pretty though. Pretty. Oh, Tall pretty. doesn't have to do with. You're right. I'm good handsome looks. and dashing. I'm not pretty. So, yeah, okay, I go with Marty. Marty's pretty. Yeah. Like a little dainty girl. Yeah. Who's your favorite My Little Pony? Pony. Mine is Princess Sparkle Muffin Cake. I Hands don't down. know anything about My Little Pony. Uh, I believe quite it's. Honest, I can't pick something. Well, Moby's is probably Funshine Sugar Cakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of torn between Princess Sparkles and uh, um, Lady Unicorn Rainicorn, which I'm pretty sure is from Adventure Time. (laughs) 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 Um, I don't know. They're all so good. They really are. They really are. (laughs) And finally, who's your favorite Civ computer game leader to play? Factorio. (laughs) (laughs) I've never played a Civ game before. Yeah, um, I'm big into this one, so I may be the only guy who can legitimately answer. Uh, it's Trajan of Rome. That's my favorite Civ and also my favorite leader. So Why? What does he do? Um, well, it's he basically has a thing where every new city you make automatically builds a road in a split second back to Rome, which is really important. That's for carrying goods. That's for moving your army quickly along the road. Otherwise, roads can only be built by making a trading unit 
then sending it to that city, which takes a number of turns, to and it builds a road each hex it goes. So it's very powerful to do that. Um, he also builds a special district called the Baths that give you amenities, happiness, um, as well as uh, the Baths give you more water so you can build your city slightly larger. Oh, okay, cool. He's just very well balanced. and It sounds like he's super efficient. He is. And he actually, in real life, Trajan was one of the best Roman emperors. Like, he was just a good guy that really developed Rome well, and he was a good leader. That's cool. And he also looks exactly like my future stepfather, but he doesn't sleep all day. So that's a big plus. <laughs> He's actually awake in the game. <laughs> well, thank you for those questions, Patrick. You can follow Patrick on Twitter at OverTheHillier. Um, Patrick does a lot of stuff in the board game community. He's uh, contributes to the What Did You Play This Week podcast. Uh, he's always on uh, the Cubist uh, Monday live stream, and then they turn that into a podcast. He's all over the place. He's a great guy. Go follow him. Oh, good for you. <laughs> we, we do appreciate the questions, Patrick. You kind of bailed us out here <laughs> as far as asking for questions online. So. Only three? Really? <laughs> Direct uh, some content there, Patrick. Do we just want to do uh, the, the other one? Another one? Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, great. So uh, this one's from Josh over at the Storyboard Podcast. What is your favorite class or race to play in D&D and your favorite monster to fight? Oh. Why don't you start with Marty? What do you got, Marty? Jeez. Uh, well, I think I've only played two class, two races in D&D, I think. Yeah. Uh, I liked when I played the Dragonborn. Or what was it? Dragonborn? Dragon... Dragon Man, Dragon People. Dragonborn, yeah. Yeah, Dragonborn. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking Skyrim. Like, am I mixing my things here? <laughs> um, yeah, when I played the Dovahkiin. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like that because I, I, I was playing like a, uh, it was like a, a priest, essentially. Like, I had been like converted from like, I was like the, I was worshipping like this evil thing, but then um, paladins found me. So I was playing like a Dragonborn paladin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they'd raise me. That's a pretty solid mixture it was like fun. that's yeah that's yeah great. that was a fun one it was just fun to play as i also i fucking love dragonborns oh i love dragonborns i just love being able to breathe fire yeah that's awesome or spit acid or shoot lightning like it, whatever it, it's a cool role-playing yeah. experience and i think my favorite class um geez what's my favorite class i don't know i'm i'm i like the idea of playing a ranger and being like a bow x specialist but it never really turns out to be that great Right. And I think I like the idea of a lot of classes more than actually playing them. But uh, one of my favorite characters I ever made was a dragonborn cleric named Lucifer. He was the light bringer, which is what Lucifer means. And I don't know. I really enjoyed. I, I, yeah. Dragonborn cleric, I think, is my favorite combo. That's cool. Um, my favorite uh, race, boring as it is, is human. I just like being able to adapt. <laughs> White human male Moby. <laughs> right wing conservative. That's a stretch. <laughs> really role play. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just like the adaptability of humans. And if you were to force me to take a non-human race, it would be dwarves. Because I like how stout they are and they resist poison and things like that. Uh, by far my favorite class, even though I believe it was only ever in 4th edition, is Warlord. Um, ah, okay. I love the ability that he's a battlefield leader in that his various powers, whether like he does a hit, he gives someone else an attack, or he can give someone an attack order, 
and he's basically giving battlefield orders. So far and yeah, away, that's, Warlord's my that's a really cool role. I like that control role, which Absolutely. I think in Fifth Edition they've they basically disassembled those and kind of spread them out through some other races. Like bards are oftentimes a lot of control kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I'm hoping the Warlord makes a return at some point. That would be though. cool. That would be cool. And favorite monsters? So I'll I'll go first. So my favorite monsters to fight, um, if they're run well, I really like like coming up against like hags because there's a lot of like role playing opportunity to to interact with with the DM. I don't know. They're just they can you know they'll make come to you as like a a villager asking for help and trying to lure you somewhere to pick you pick you apart and. Maybe they want some of your magical items or something, you know, and you get them and you get them in a coven and then they're formidable to actually fight when you get into combat and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But as a as a DM, I'll throw a little bonus one. I think one of my favorite one of my favorite monsters just to control and put in somewhere are Modrons. I don't know if you guys know no, what those are. I don't. Actually, no. we recently fought some in a campaign campaign that I'm playing in. Basically, they come in like five sizes. They're like these. They're they're like they're robots basically, but the cool thing is if you're fighting like a a one two or three and basically they appear in the shapes like a, like the the four level is like a cube with like oh. four arms and it flies and four hand crossbows that shoots at you four times, but like if you're fighting a one two or three and you kill a two one of the level ones transforms into a level two to fill those ranks. Mm. So they're they're super cool, and they add you know some additional discovery in combat for the players. You know if they're taking out oh well this this big guy is you know dealing the most damage, let's go for them. But oh wait, the little peons before will just get promoted. Basically, I, I think they're really cool. Yeah, it's I I don't want to overcomplicate the answer, but I mean realistically, there are far and away my favorite monsters, but I've never actually fought them in a campaign. Just because I haven't done enough D&D to, to get to that point. Um, and I should have looked up shit because I forgot it. I have a favorite monster. Again, he was in 4th edition. Never face one. He's a high-level monster. He's basically this gigantic, like, skyscraper-sized, undead, former god or, like, demi-god. And it's not just, like, a name. Like, he's not a unique creature. It's a type of creature. And, oh, man, the illustration of this thing is so creepy. You just see this, like, gigantic, skeletal, rotted ghoul. And you see, like, what a person would be beside it. And, like, the thing is, like, skyscraper-sized. And it just would be awesome to fight this thing. My God. Um, But I have a very, very soft spot for minor dragons or kind of... um, not not traditional dragons like what I tried to do in my very first uh, campaign where I was DM with you guys for fourth edition. So like the Draco Lich, I really like. Yeah. Any kind of spectral or ghost dragon, the brass dragon in the desert that was really uh, weakened that you guys encountered at one point. Um, I like that guy, and yeah, so kind of I'm, I guess dragons. I would say dragons <laughs> and like specialty dragons. Lightning dragon. Okay, that's cool. I liked our interaction with, uh, was it the Lamia? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. was... Whew, hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was fun. Like, I, I was really unexpected. 
Yeah, and you guys didn't even end up fighting it. Again, it was more, it was just role play stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lamias are creepy. They're like half woman, half lion. Yeah, lion from the torso down. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. I didn't, didn't, I didn't, didn't like stop her listener. orphan children that she had. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> stop listener prime. <laughs> he doesn't care if the carpets match the drapes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you uh, enjoyed those answers there, Josh. You can follow Josh uh, on Twitter at StoryboardCast. He does a storyboard podcast. He has his guests on, and together they form on the spot this kind of narrative, like maybe like they make like a movie plot or some some type of story, basically. Like on the spot storytelling. It's it's really entertaining. We're some really the, giving listener a lot of airtime. Some of the things we? they bring up are, what? They, they wrote in? I'm going to give them their <laughs> questions. He's giving you heart. Well, okay. I think that's enough for our Twitter questions. How about some actual questions? Yeah. That we have. Some good ones. The real ones. I'll let Moby start. Yeah, I've got one for Leland. What? Um, Yeah. Leland, you've mentioned this in one of our last episodes about how you enjoy playing co-op board games single and solitaring it. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you can, because it's very confusing to me, it seems like it would be so not fun to play a board game alone. And why do you enjoy it? Oh, that's a good question. I I think because ultimately a collaborative board game is just a puzzle. Hmm. And and I enjoy solving it. Interesting. That's that's kind of that's kind of it. And whether and I also think though, like you have a bit of flexibility because depending if the game has specifically has a one person mode, you could play any two to four, two to five player co-op game just using like two or more roles. Yeah. You know, like, okay, take Pandemic, for instance. You could just play as the medic and as like the uh, scientist or the researcher or whatever, right? And just control two characters. And I think, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just boils down to solving this puzzle on my own merit, I think. No, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think I kind of boxed in my thoughts in that, you know, it's a co-op game. It has to be played with other people. How could you possibly play without the social aspect? Right. Well, it's just a puzzle of mechanics you're trying to undo. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. like playing solitaire, solitaire. Like, right. that, totally. like it just makes totally. sense. Totally. So I don't know if anything needs to be... Uh, Added there. I no. do. Well, if you know anything about Leland, you know he loves his, himself some free cell. That's right. <laughs> I do love free cell, yeah. That's how it all started. <laughs> Hardboard. <laughs> I've got one for Marty, and it's because I'm starting to get a little scared owning this um, console myself. Like the Nintendo Switch, it, it started out being really cool. It had Zelda, um, you know, it had a few good indie games and stuff like that. But, man, I'm starting to get worried that this thing isn't going to get well-supported. Yeah, you know, um, I, I understand your worries. Um, the They had a, you know, a Nintendo Treehouse event at E3, and I think their biggest reveal was the new Smash Brothers. Right. Uh, which looks cool, right? It's coming in December. It's like, essentially, it could be argued it's like this um kind of amalgamation of all of the smash brothers greatest hits right it has every single character from every smash brothers which is ridiculous it's like that's yeah, that's 65 insane. even all of 
Like don't some or maybe I'm thinking of a different the fighting third game. parties like Snake and yeah, and it, yes, Sonic, every single all that stuff. Yeah, so it has Ooh. it has Snake back with um, popular demand. Only. Yeah, so it, I mean I'm sure that's going to be fun. How does know? that work with Konami? Do you know? Yeah, like as far I, as I don't know, I don't know if they have to pay a licensing or if Konami just lends it because it adds more, you know, like right, it's free press. Press. I I bet it's a combination. I bet they probably get a. I bet they probably get a small lo- uh, royalty, yeah. like minuscule, like point two percent or something like that. Um, but it is branding. I mean, it does promote the branding, and I know that's why Sega put Sonic in originally. Was yeah. I mean, oh, Sega and Nintendo are now. Pr- friendy friendy anyways but it was to promote sonic again and bring him back to the cultural zekeist yeah well i mean there's no reason like konami's not a competitor with nintendo and and neither is sega neither is sega you know like there's no competition there i mean if you're putting in a uh i don't know crash bandicoot era or no even better putting in like uh um, Nathan Drake in like uh, Nintendo Smash Brothers, and that would make no sense, obviously. Right, right, right. But you know, there's no Master Chief in it. Um, but I think you're thinking of a Soul Calibur where they I had was like because uh, I thought the same they thing. They had consoles, they had like exclusive Spawn, yes, and that, yeah. That was, and I immediately was like, yeah. oh no, wait, I, um, that's not. But yeah, I yeah. was thinking of Soul Calibur. I was like, is Spawn going to be in Smash Brothers? Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, Freddy Krueger? Yeah. <laughs> I would like to have seen Leon from Resident Evil 4. That would have been a cool addition. Actually, it would have been pretty because cool, but I think he would have played too similarly to Snake. I, I would yeah. agree with that. And the fact that they limit Snake, like, they really don't want him to have, like, all sorts of guns and stuff. They'd rather him use explosives because that's somehow less violent. <laughs> I think it comes down to balancing of the character. Yeah. Right? I think there's more, you know, it's a it's a side platform right you can't shoot a gun down the thing it's going to go the full sc- but but you throw a bomb yeah you can potentially miss and all the other characters that have guns have like laser ish weapons right. so it's not like right. a stream of yeah. Yeah, yeah projectiles yeah that makes sense yeah you know what but to really answer your question though Moby, i am concerned i don't know what else is coming out that i'm excited for mm-hmm. i well you know what they're doing though is there a lot of uh like steam games are bringing to the switch yes they do have a large indie um kind of section right mm-hmm. But I guess for me, I just play them on Steam. Right, exactly. I know. I know. I'm after first party games. Like I'm after obvious, the, the obvious ones. I'm after your Zelda, your okay. Mario but haven't like haven't you learned from 15 years of Nintendo <laughs> that if you're buying those consoles for first party support, you're not going to get it? I've learned from the past seven or eight years. What I'm basically saying is they're continuing. You learned from the past single generation worth of time of this. Uh, well, that's meaning, a, that's a generation of consoles. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, but what what did the the Wii have for first party though? Uh, well, you had you had Twilight Princess. You had you had two Mario's. You had Mario Galaxy one and two. So yes, two but I mean, over Mario's. the whole console life, you're gonna get another Mario. You're gonna get right. uh, you're gonna get a Metroid, right? And Metroid Are is coming. Okay. Yes, it is coming. So we're gonna get them. And that's you. You're gonna get those staples, and they have other staples. You know, they have Splatoon, but their their games we're not probably as interested in. Mario right? Tennis is coming up. Pikmin. Yeah, you know, Pikmin. I don't care about Pikmin. I don't care about Splatoon. Well, you know what I what I care, and it's it is a now a Nintendo first party is a Fatal Frame. I want Fatal Frame Six. That would be cool. That would be really cool. That so. would be cool on the Switch. Yeah. You know, I I think that's just one of the things you're gonna have to face is that these first party games are always going to be a little bit few and far between. We might get two big ones a year. We got two last year. 
Yeah, that you know? is true. Um, this year we haven't ha- had one yet, I don't think. So I think I just don't get why you're surprised, Moby. <laughs> like, come on, it's fucking Nintendo. I don't. Why? I don't like, know, why does it surprise you? Because you know, you I just still thought have, it was going to be different. I still have my Wii and my GameCube and my N sixty four library, and it was just very well supported back in the day. And it Wii U created a terrible precedent, and I just feel like that's kind of coming. They're supporting it more in this. There's a lot of games that they're that they are porting over that from this generation, which is something the Wii U and the Wii had issues with. You know, like graphically kind of matching, right? Like you can play the new Wolfenstein on the Switch, right? Yeah, right. You can, right? Yeah. You can do uh, Resident Evil Seven is coming to the Switch, right? You know, which is uh, tough to do, I'm sure, right? Right. So you do, and you, there will be sacrifices to be made, but there's also, there are serious issues with the Switch. I mean, the online, you know, oh, stuff yeah. is one of them, right? I mean, in this day and age, like, can we not get it together? Like, this should be the most basic thing. We've had it for 15 years. Yeah, like, come care, on, right? right? Now, back to your point about the, the Steam thing and people just playing on PC, like, Wolfenstein's the same thing. RE7's the same thing. Like I those, agree. those don't seeming, you know, stereotypically match the demographic of a console like the Switch. So, no wonder those aren't propping up the console. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the thing with the Switch is that it is a handheld, so you can take it with you ah, easier, okay. right? Right, right, right. Than maybe a laptop. Right. Um, I do overlook that. Yeah. Um, so, like, even for me, when I'm about to go on this trip coming up that I'm taking. I'm going to be thinking, should I check out this library and pick something up for this trip, you know? Sure. Yeah. Just could pick up Stardew for the Switch. That'll keep yeah. you entertained. Yeah, I've got it on the Switch. Right, there you, you go. Know? It's like, that will keep me entertained. But, like, should I check out an India wasn't I've been on the fence about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff is a possibility because you, you can play a pretty impressive game on the Switch, you know, on the road, which is cool. Right. But well, I guess what? It, it took you a three-week trip to Europe to want to consider getting some of those for the Switch. Well, like, and, come and, on. Uh, no, totally. I, I totally agree. I, I don't. I that's not good. I haven't touched the Switch since Mario. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Yeah. Mind you, though, when was the last time you you touched your PS4 since you got? I mean, I've uh, then got a war since since you. Well, you assembled know, your computer. You're right? completely right. Yeah. I, I I went through God of War, and I won't touch it again probably until the new Spider-Man game. Yeah, exactly. And then probably again after that until, until the Last of Us or, or Red Dead. Yeah, but. It, I mean, oh yeah, I forgot about Lasso's too. Yeah, because I don't think Red Red Dead is uh, for PC or confirmed for PC. So ah, yeah, yeah, then for sure, and then yeah, The Last of Us, and then like a couple other exclusives. Right. That's about it. I guess now for you, it is an exclusive console, whereas it's my main gaming platform. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just I'm starting to prefer PC. Me and, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's so much cheaper and like just more convenient. Yeah. You know, I like that everything's on Steam. You know, I, I doesn't bother me that it's a Steam-based thing. I don't really, I don't care. I like it. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you're getting your money out of it. Yep. Oh, yeah. So That's probably part of it, too. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, okay, I want to segue into the question I have for you then, Marty. Yeah. Speaking of, are you at all interested in VR? Because now you got, you got the, like, if you've ever had a rig before to do it, you got it now. To get into it. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've had a discussion with a friend of mine about this because um, you know, he'd wanted to try it and he was saying, well, maybe we should just go pick it up and then return it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it, but we'd have to pay for the game on Steam or whatever. But, you know, you, you have like a like a like you know an hour or two to return them, right? right. So like, we could totally drop like $1,000, play it for two hours and then like, you know, okay, give, give it back, right? right. Um, I don't know. That seems kind of a dick move to me, but <laughs> um, it is getting cheaper. 
So it is a possibility. I certainly have the rig to run it. It yeah. would run. And actually, they're very soon uh, wireless VR headsets are will be coming out. Um, yes, which is cool. Yeah, I don't well, know if I, I have the spatial room. That's actually what I was thinking. Yeah, you currently where your yeah. game sits, you you don't really. Yeah. If you you would literally have to rotate your whole desk ninety degrees probably to be yeah. able, able to even consider. I could just rotate the monitor though and just face. It oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, I'm, okay. How, so how does that work though? Can't you just stand anywhere as long as you're connected to the computer? You just stand. You don't have to rotate anything. That's it's fucking VR, right? Yeah, it's I guess I'm not looking at the screen. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, you know, I probably you're good. Yeah, you should you, do it. Maybe, maybe an next year's bonus. I'll just be like, all right, sure, just do it. I mean, fuck, by then it's gonna be, you know, the tech will be up. Yeah, you get the wireless tech, and it'll be, you know, Around Christmas basically time. cost uh, prohibitive or not yeah. un cost effective. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, one thing I would do is probably get it for a PC and not for PS4. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's cheaper, too. Yeah. Or so maybe similar. I guess, what do you get with, you get generally an Oculus Rift, right, when you get a... Uh, a PS4. A, PS, a PC version. Oh, PC. Yeah. I PS, think so. PS4 is just PSVR. Right. Um, you know, I'm interested, but it's tentative. It's not, I think it's. it would be, for me, a gimmick. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think... Um, for for me, my biggest draw would be um, a lot of the talk of um, VR implementing VR board game play as well. That's interesting. So that's a draw for me. Um, I don't think I I don't I don't know. I would never probably get into it honestly. But um, yeah, because I mean, I would probably be beneficial to upgrade my PS4 if I was going to, right? I, probably, I should probably get a, a pro or whatever. Yeah, I think if I was you, even you, thinking you'd about want it, to, I think, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure they, you, I would, you could just get a bundle, right? I would just buy a bundle with a VR and a pro. Yeah, they gotta sell those, right? I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, whatever. that's insane. There's yeah. no way that's yeah. But I mean, that's a draw for me though, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, because a lot of um, the big thing right now, people have tried at some conventions is uh, Catan VR. Okay, where literally you just. Put on the headset, and then you're you're moving pieces around as if you're just like playing, huh. the, like playing the physical board game. But of course, you could play. The three of us could play from our couch in the nude. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, it's how we play games in person. Yeah, yeah. sure. So I change. Not much just different. put a headset on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That answer your question. I think yeah, that's okay, cool. I was cool. just wanted to know your thoughts on it. Okay, I've got a couple. I'll start with one. Uh, I've got one for Moby. Okay. I'm just confused about something. Okay. I'm confused about... Are you straight? <laughs> As an arrow. <laughs> Are you sure? Because your love for Marty goes beyond brotherhood. <laughs> I, I, you know... He's so pretty. I, I just... I, <laughs> yeah, he is the prettiest. Valid boy. <laughs> You're right. little liar. I'm sorry. Well, I just scratched out, like, my first six questions. <laughs> okay. uh, when are you finally going to propose to me? <laughs> the ring is being made. <laughs> Forging it yourself. That's right. You it know, was very difficult to get your cock measurements <laughs> without you knowing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> we, we just broke the decency barrier, as we always do. Because usually we break it within the first two minutes of banter. <laughs> Anyways. I thought that was pretty On clever, the subject but... of cock measurements. That, that was good. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is related. <laughs> Okay, now, this has to do with the Lincoln thing. Oh, okay. I don't know what 
the hell you're talking about? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why it's funny to you. I don't, I don't think it's funny to anyone else. I don't no. think anyone understands. That's the problem. You know what? All it is is me just trying to endlessly milk a fight with Leland that I thought was funny and needless. The fight and, was entertaining, I think. And that and it happened was the needless. first time. I mean, it was a discussion of Matthew McConaughey and those commercials that just came out of the blue. I probably do milk it too much, but I basically have figured that it's part of our culture, like um, your it laugh, or you mentioning porn websites, or uh, <laughs> you know, Leland rating Citizen Kane a three out of ten. You know those kind, but still being like culture. pleasantly happy with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I basically been milking it as part of our culture, but it's probably too much. Um, if you're wondering why I have a fascination with Lincolns, it's that my grandfather actually had a super comfortable Lincoln town car when I was young, and I used to I loved riding around. In oh, it. hey, there you go. That's, okay. that's, that's, that's that actually does help explain that's it. Feel the maximum layers. Okay, yeah. I can get behind yeah. it. But you know what? Over saturating jokes is is just your shtick there, Moby. So keep going with it. Well, that's just Moby's right. Moby stick is just saying things we've heard a thousand times. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, because true. my alcohol fried brain forgets that I've told you this stuff. It might um, just be the early onset of Alzheimer's as well. That that could be right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, did you know I've been going to the gym? Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Keto. <laughs> no, hey, I don't endlessly bring up. No, you don't, no, actually. actually. Yeah, you, you totally don't. You don't. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's a good question, though, Marty. Okay. Good question. Cool. Um, I, this, now, here's a question that may have been asked in the past, but <laughs> for Leland, why, why do you get pleasure from, like, going to- From playing solo settings? board games. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These solo board Playing difficult settings. Yeah, I, yeah, I just I, don't get how it's pleasurable. And, I okay we have we have spoken about this before I think yeah. maybe very briefly but the short answer TLDR it's not <laughs> so are you like a secret like masochist who just loves pain because I have sat in with you before recording session when you were playing I think it was Dark Souls and you're at a really hard part and I think I also sat with you in God of War for a really hard part you are not looking like you're having fun no, you're like replaying no. the same scene, dying, swearing, getting pissed off, and then redoing it like in this endless hellish time loop. <laughs> and I'm like, why does he enjoy this? Right, but uh, okay, I'm I'm perfecting a craft. Okay, practice, 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 practice makes perfect. Now I have successfully completed the entirety of the God of War franchise on the hardest difficulty. I now wear that badge of honor. So does it give you? Pleasure. I think that's it gives me it. Pride. pride. It's not pleasure. It's pride. It's pride, and it makes the journey worth it. it I think. I think it does. I, and now I will fully admit that it, that journey is not getting as fulfilling as it used to be. <laughs> like I still need to go and fight those goddamn uh, Valkyries on God of War. Uh, on Give Me God of War. I don't think I'll be able to do <laughs> it. I don't, and I haven't turned it on since I started playing Factorio. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever do it. And now maybe that doesn't count as finishing that game. No, it does. You beat the boss. I think I beat the fine. main story. Yeah, I think it's fine. It is an optional boss. 
Okay. But okay. there is a part of me that says, no, you haven't done this, you liar. You know what? I think it is. It's like this, um, the sense of accomplishment is directly relative to the difficulty of the task. Right. Right. And I find that too sometimes that I'll play. Sometimes I'll do it on games that maybe I'm not enjoy. I wouldn't enjoy enough if I didn't put it on a harder difficulty because it makes the game have a pr- more of a purpose. Right. You know, like there's a reason for me to finish now because it's so fucking hard that if I don't finish, you know, I, I, I've sucked or something or I'm a failure. Yeah. Now I have to. Like I'm driven to be better. Yeah. And I, I think I will say also now you mentioning that um, makes me think that. So generally those difficult games are largely combat based like Dark Souls franchise and God of War. I think playing on the higher difficulties also adds depth to those systems to those combat systems right yes and brings and brings the nuances of them and you know the timing structure all the it brings it closer to the forefront and now now those games can't always support that is the thing right if you you sometimes there just isn't enough there to warrant it but i think in in games like dark souls and god of war it is there for me. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this in the past, too, that there's a difference between a challenging game and a cheap game. Yes. And, you know, there without is. going too far into that, I think if you even just look at the Dark Souls franchise, really, they're, you're playing on the developer-determined difficulty. Yeah, you don't, you don't pick you don't a don't pick. Yeah. Right? And that's how the game was meant to be played. I mean, you can, although, play more of a magic wielder in a lot of these games and avoid some of the kind of the nuance of the combat right Right, right. which i found like i think in dark souls 3 or 2 i did that and in dark souls 1 i was more melee yeah and that was much more rewarding to be a successful melee character i felt i agree with that yeah i agree with that for sure so i hope that answers your question yeah yeah it does okay well i got one for you moby all right i don't know if you've ever fully explained to me why it is exactly that you love Blade Runner franchise so, so much. What is it for that genre of film that just does it for you? What does it for me is that I feel like I get in a loop of asking myself endless philosophical questions about the near future, about what is humanity, do we have a soul, all those sorts of kinds of things. But... Unlike other things that may run through your head that keep you up at night because they really stress you out, it's pleasurable. It's a joy to drive to work and not have any music on and just like think about joy and stuff that I've looked up about, you know, whether Joy really loved Kay or not. That's just an example. I also really like looking up, um, I really, really enjoy YouTubing different people's perspectives on the two Blade Runner films. And there's so much content out there to be read. And it's just, it's intellectually stimulating and it's very pleasurable. And it feels like there's just so many rabbit holes I can dive down. Okay. That's incredibly valid. I think I agree with you on a lot of points. I think that those are the aspects of those films that I also enjoy, despite feeling that, you know, they're not, as elevated as you would put them, but I, I can get on board with that. I well, like that. And, the, and that also, there's a footnote to that in that the reason I like Blade Runner 2049 more than the original is that there's more rabbit holes. Ah, and and yeah. so that really just plays into that. Sure. Cool. Cool. Uh, I've got one for both of you guys. All right. This one is about an actor. 
His name is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I like Jeff Goldblum. I don't know why you guys like him so much. <laughs> Please explain. Jeff Goldblum exists both as a good actor, but also as a, like, he's like a meta actor. He exists on two planes simultaneously, and he knows it. You can tell he's self-aware that he's Jeff Goldblum, the actor, but he's also Jeff Goldblum, the person that appears on, like, Conan O'Brien as this really weird offbeat guy. And now that he actually gets roles like Thor Ragnarok, where they're like, yeah, we hired you to be Jeff Goldblum and just be Jeff right. Goldblum with makeup. Right. Yeah, I, yes, I, I agree with that. And for me, what does it is seeing, um, like his interviews on talk shows like Conan and like actually seeing, I mean, you know, actually seeing Jeff Goldblum, whether or not that is whatever he is deciding to portray to the public as himself, but I just, I just like him as a, person he's just super yes. cool he's funny and he's enigmatic and yeah i don't know and then i just get excited when i see him in in a, in a new role which isn't really a new role because he's just playing himself so it's like <laughs> so it's kind of it's his self-awareness and also his um like na- true nature that seems apparent that is so appealing yes and the persona that he has is so much fun it's the same as if you watch uh, Bruce Campbell at cons. You know, he's putting on a persona of this bravado guy that's somewhat similar to Ash at these cons, and it's really entertaining to watch. So right. it's, it's kind of along that line. Did you guys watch that commercial I posted for the Jurassic Park where he's driving the Jeep? I, I posted no, I, it. I, I think I missed no. that. Okay, because it's so funny, because it's, it's for this Jeep Wrangler, so the commercial shows him. It's at first him like in in the first Jurassic Park like it's that scene where the jeep's escaping from the T-Rex but then it shows him escaping from a T-Rex and he's it's present day and now he's aged but he's in a new jeep and then the camera pans out after a minute and he's in a showroom sitting in the jeep and the sales lady comes up and she's like hi would you like a test drive he's like I just did one and she's like Oh, and like backs up creepy from him. <laughs> and it's the best scene. It goes on for like five seconds. She's like backs up creeped out and walks away. And then it's like Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> Goldblum's just sitting there. That's hilarious. <laughs> you guys should watch it. And it just totally plays into that persona that he's this weird guy. That's so funny. So. Okay. I think that kind of shed some light. Cool. Any more, boys? I had one more for both of you. Okay. We could maybe wrap it up after this. I got sure. one more as well, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, for me, this is to both of you. If you could pick the perfect theme for a board game paired with the perfect mechanic, what would you guys choose? I I know, so I, I would jump in and I would think of that. And it's actually strangely relevant with Black Orchestra, which I'm really excited for. Yeah. I would love a collectible card game that is is very Wolfenstein-ish. I don't think they'd make it because of um, issues with having, you know, Nazis, but where you basically have a a card game, maybe with magic mechanics is where I'm getting at, because you said mechanics. But you would always play a side that's like Nazis versus allies, and you'd have vehicles that you could pilot, and you'd have, you know, unique hero characters and stuff like that, paired with magic-type mechanics. Okay. I'd love That's that. Interesting. Uh, I think mine exists. It's called Gwent. It's a Witcher card game. <laughs> I, would, 
Because <laughs> I was literally thinking, like, I really like The Witcher. It'd be cool if it was a card game. Oh. <laughs> I was like, that, that exists. Yeah. But it's, I don't know if there's a physical version of it. No, I think just the digital, but a lot of people make their own print and play for oh, it. That's, that's yeah. kind of cool, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I like that in the, in the game, and I like the idea of Gwent. I don't like playing those kind of games online. But I think a physical yeah. version would be pretty pretty cool. Yeah, honestly, Gwent is really fun in those in which in which in the mini games. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, they That's... take up a lot of my time in those games. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've I've probably put a good thirty hours into Gwent, yeah. which Definitely. is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Okay. All uh, right. What's your last one? My last one is for Moby, and like I we talked about how you like playing easy games. I get I think I can wrap my head around it now. But one thing you do quite often that kind of surprises me is you you'll pick up a game. You'll play a couple hours of it. You'll put it down, and you'll consider it a game you're playing, but you might not touch it again for nine months. Oh, yeah. And you'll have that with, like, 30 things on the go. And I find that, like, to me, it's very confusing because I don't I don't operate that way. At most, I might have two games on the go, but that's even rare. It's usually one. It's usually this is what I'm playing right now. And if it's two, it's something like, okay, I'm playing a multiplayer game on the side and this one single-player narrative-based game. But for you, it seems like you can have, you know, Final Fantasy VII going, Stardew Valley, blah, blah, blah. And, like, then just pick up and play a seven-hour game of Civ Five, you know, in the middle of that, no problem. And then wait nine months before you jump into Final Fantasy again. Yeah, what I would say to that is it's my natural personality. Um, I've always been like that and that I've been very scatterbrained, probably with borderline undiagnosed uh, ADD. Um, certainly like if I'm on a Friday night alone, I've got like three consoles paused plus my PC, maybe my DVD player. And I just spend 10 or 15 minutes and I pretty much just randomly jump between all these things. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would never do that with friends around. That's just not how you hang out with people. But when I'm alone, that's, that's how I do things. And I've always been like that. Um, I would say that the ability for me to stop a game, like start a game, ignore for six months and pick it up i can do that with my social life like friends that i haven't seen in many months there's no awkwardness if i suddenly run into them again it's like oh hey buddy you know that's cool yeah how's life going and i can pick up all sorts of things like that i think my record is tales of symphonia for gamecube i started that in 2002 and i finished that in 2013 and i picked that up every like two or three months for a couple hours, but I never gave it up and I never <laughs> intended to give it up. What so. the hell? I don't know how you do that. I gotta like... I think I'm impressed, but I'm just like, I'm just shocked by that. I don't get it. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's there, wired. there is a footnote. So there are certain games that I have had to restart a number of times where this has happened. Um... One of them, my friend Joe bought me, which I really like, which is kind of a precursor to Star Citizen called Freelancer. It's actually complete. And it's really cool, but it gets very hard. And I wonder if that's why I kind of give it up or can't get back into it. I know what to do next for the story, but it's just so hard that I just end up for some reason restarting it and saying like, this time I'll get a better ship earlier and get more money and do this and that. Yeah, well, I mean, a game where the skill level needs to be high and you haven't played it in six months or a year, it's tough to get back to where you were. Or or where it doesn't direct you yeah. to go next for the story. I'm having that issue with Xenoblade Chronicles for GameCube. I'm probably halfway, 60 70%, maybe the most, through that game. But it's not obvious where I'm supposed to go 
next. And it's a huge game world. And I'm debating either giving that up or just uh, restarting Wait, is it. that the one for the Wii? Uh, yes. That's okay. That's the one that, I, that I've got. You got it for me, right? Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, I... I got halfway through that now. This is this game is just too too much game for me. I I don't there was I'm also a completionist, so I was trying to do every side quest. You cannot do all the side quests no. in that game. It's stupid. And there, there's like there's like a million fetch quests. Uh, I I was like organizing it like it, as if it was like a daily like chore list. It was like, "Alright, I got 50 t- mini quests to do today." So you gotta find all the little pop of icons and Jeez. find all the shit they need. Was... Yeah, well, it wasn't actually fun. Mm. I think I might just watch the spoilers on it or something. Yeah, yeah. For, see how it ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's interesting, though. Like I'm, yeah, I'm like you, Marty. I gotta focus. I gotta do. I go one thing at a time. It's like same way I read books. I can't have like a couple books going on at the same time. I gotta get into one and finish it before I can move on. Yeah, like I think with books, I can do two, and that's that's pushing it for me too. Yeah. Well, I generally, I mean, generally, though, I find when I get into something, I could rapidly consume it. Yes. So it's not really a problem. It's never holding anything up. I often, though, think to my detriment, I consume it too quickly because I may want to move on to something else. Mm, yes, I understand that yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I think you miss you something missed, about uh, it. You miss the joy of consuming it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You kind of miss a bit of that a bit of that journey. You're consuming for the sake of consuming. Right. Not yes. for this not for getting enjoying the content. Right? Yes. Yeah. For saying that you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Same way, same same reason I play things on super difficult. I found that I can a little say I do it. I found that a little bit this year. I've been reading a lot more and like my goal was to read like a book a week. Yeah. You That's know? a lot. And it well it is and I've fallen behind because it's just like I wasn't enjoying reading anymore. Uh, I was doing it for the sake of reading. Right. And it's like, okay, I got to just well, I mean, sit back. Yeah, and, the thing of that is you got to find 52 books that you're, super, you're really into, right? Yeah, or torture yourself. Exactly. Right, yeah. which I was doing. I'd get halfway through this book and be like, okay, I hate this book. Oh, you know, but I'm halfway. But I got to finish my fucking dinner here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, I think that kind of yeah, right. that was good. good. I like that. We I may like have that. to do it again at some point when more questions come up, but I think it's... Nice to kind of have a trim episode that doesn't take listener four and a half hours to... Well, we're at an hour 45 right now, so it's not that trim. <laughs> oh, uh, to answer Moby's bonus question to me, which was, <laughs> Marty, how do you maintain a sex life oh, with yeah. all of your hobbies? Very simple. I just think about belts and con- and uh, con- <laughs> converter arms. Converter arms. Burner arms. I think about Processes. inserters. Inserters, yeah. Belts and inserters. <laughs> and repeating. It's good. It just I last much longer. Yeah. So you make it forty five seconds. Yep. Oh boy. All right. So let's wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> See, you really need those cock rings. <laughs> well, yeah, are they are they coming, Moby? Like- uh, do I need just need to give it a random porn site URL to complete this thing? <laughs> I, how about we give out our URL? <laughs> yeah, great segue. <laughs> well, if you like what we're doing and you want to see some of our written content, check out our show notes at ttpopcast.com. Marty's actually written something that's up on the site. You can read maybe more by the time this launches. Yeah, it's going to be a series about Factoria. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah. Uh, check us out on Instagram. We're on. Uh, we got a Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I've been Leland Steele, and I'm Marty, and I'm Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye bye. <laughs>